Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Never has the issue of athlete welfare been more in the headlines. Many of the bodies responsible for running our Olympic and Paralympic sports programs have had to deal with allegations involving their approach to welfare and safeguarding. Bullying, sexism, discrimination, eating disorders, the failings in elite sport in this country are sharply in focus. So who looks out for the athletes themselves? And where does an athlete go if they've been subjected to this unacceptable behaviour? I'm John. And I'm Michael. And this is Great British Bosses from Anything But Footy. Together, John and I have over five decades of experience of covering the biggest sporting events on the planet and working with some of the most familiar names in world sport. Great British Bosses is the interview series where we talk to the men and women responsible for running sport in this country. In this episode, we're in conversation with someone who's witnessed both sides of the conversation. She was a two-time world champion and won a bronze medal at the 2008 Paralympic Games in Beijing. She's also held roles with the British Paralympic Association and WADA and works with the English Institute of Sport and the Athletics Integrity Unit. Hi, I'm Victoria Agar and I'm chair of the British Athletes Commission. What is the British Athletes Commission? So the British Athletes Commission was set up a few years ago now, back in around 2004, in advance of the Olympic and Paralympic Games by a small group of athletes that really felt that they needed some independent advice, support or representation. Fast forward, you know, t- t- 10, 20 years, and the, the BAC now is, is a pretty established organisation with performance system that really does that with some really expert and professional staff so athletes can reach out and um, and get some really independent advice and it covers all olympic and paralympic sports yeah so our membership um any athlete that becomes onto uk sports world-class performance program so that's most elite athletes um looking forward to olympic or paralympic games are automatically members of the british athletes Um, Alongside that, we have other sports like England Netball and the LTA, 
the Lawn Tennis Association that also buy membership from the BAC for their um, world ranked players or, or the, the, their um, first teams. And is it a case, Vicky, that it's mainly to do with stuff that's going on in training or stuff that is happening as, as you're preparing for games, the day-to-day kind of things that need sorting, or is it looking at bigger, wider issues, some of the things that we, we talked about in the introduction? It, it's a bit of both. So we're, we're, we're open to any athlete, whether that's a minor dispute around a selection decision or um, an inability, you know, a, a breakdown in relationship between a peer or, or a coach within their sport, right the way through to receiving some really um, disturbing um, disclosures around abuse and negligence and um, some horrible experience um, within the high performance um, environment. You talk about sort of disturbing episodes there, and, and we said right in the introduction, Vicky, that this has never been more sharply in focus. How busy, if you like, have you been over the past few weeks and months? We've seen a panorama program on eating disorders. I guess that comes into your remit. Amy Tinkler, the, the British bronze medalist from Rio, the gymnast, has been very public in her battle with the governing body so so how much have you been dealing with with these issues over the past few months yeah we've um we've we've been phenomenally busy. um as such we, we've had to bring in um additional staff um to cope with the demand of of, of athletes reaching out um, we've set up a very bespoke unit to support gymnasts particularly um but also with it pretty much in the last two years we're seeing a hundred percent increase year on year um, on um, athletes contacting us and reaching out um, across, you know, a, a wide range of sports and not just gymnastics. Let's talk about the British gymnastics story for a moment. Is this something that's new or do the athletes just simply now feel empowered to be able to come forward and, and tell their story? I think the production of the Athlete A, um, the release of the Athlete A um, documentary on Netflix was a, was a big, um, perhaps a, a trigger for, for other athletes to feel that they should, uh, should speak out to. Um, so um, I think this is probably, we, we anticipated something potentially coming off the back of um, Athlete A um, going live. Um, we probably didn't uh, estimate the, the significant response that we've had. Um, as it's as it's been as it's made been paid publicly known, three hundred and fifty athletes have now gone um, and submitted evidence or, or, or of some kind to the White Review, um, which is investigating this practice. So, um, is it new? I think I think within gymnastics, I actually think that there's a global issue, um, but I I am concerned that. Um, there's a number of sports that um, where we where we're still seeing issues coming up time and time again, and that's not new. Yeah, you mentioned a number of sports there, and I know we'll talk probably a little bit more about gymnastics. But a quick Google search, for example, would show that swimming, canoeing, weightlifting, cycling—is there just simply a, a toxic system? Has public money put a toxic system together in in terms of elite sport in this country? I wouldn't go as far as a, a toxic system, and it's 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 a it's a really difficult 
difficult one to answer because I've been an athlete on the other side. I actually had a really positive experience and I've worked with a number of sports when I was with the British Paralympic Association where there was you know, fantastic you know, um, examples of a really great working culture, brilliant coaches. Um, and so I, I, I wouldn't want to say that every sport was bad and every athlete's experience is bad. I think far from it. Um, I think the problem and, and one question I've been asked a lot is, you know, this medals um, focus on medals and, and, and has that been the contributor to um, uh, bad practice perhaps that we are seeing? And I, I think undoubtedly um, there has been an increased um, pressure on um, sports to deliver medals in, in return for funding. And as such, that, that pressure is escalating all the way down to the athletes. And perhaps, um, you know, as an athlete within a bubble, a high performance bubble, sometimes you can lose perspective of things. And sometimes it's a number of really little things um, that will escalate into something much, much bigger. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's a, 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 the problem that we're seeing playing out at the moment. So what's the solution, Vicky? The white investigation is going on. The white re report is going on into British gymnastics. UK sport have now said that they're going to do a 12 year Olympic and Paralympic funding program to try and take off some of the, you've got to perform in the next four years element of pressure on athletes, if you like. Is that enough or what more needs to be done? I think it's a really good start. I, I, it gives sports some more assurance that they don't have to deliver medals, you know, time and time and time again with, with, with immediate um, focus. I think some of it also comes down to um, sports um, being really mindful. And it, it, we, we talk about elite sport, you know, it has to it is, it is about performance it is about medals and I don't think anyone anyone you, know, you, you ask any athlete it, it, they don't they don't do what they do to not try and get on the podium so let's not kid ourselves that it's not about producing world-class performances and, and winning medals I think it's how you do it and we can get wrapped up sometimes in you know the scientific advancements and the, the world-class coaching and and sometimes it's the simple thing that you know it, we're dealing with human beings we're dealing with passionate human beings that are trying to do something that most other people can't do and emotions are really high and it's just about that emotional intelligence and being work learning to work with people and, and, and treat them with the respect that you would want to be treated yourself and I think that's where sometimes we're seeing um sports falling short and it's and it's it's you know it's transparency it's good communication it's all those small things that can if you don't have them can lead to much bigger problems I wonder whether it's something that we need to talk about it's a tough it's a tough subject but has the mentality of athletes changed you obviously mentioned that you enjoyed your experience and it was tough I, I hate to use that horrible phrase that people use snowflakes is there a, a question about the younger generation coming through that they are not strong enough or not willing to put up with things or actually has it always been that way and we should have actually stopped it many moons ago I think um, there's there's been an increase in um, and what I've witnessed on on a personal front, I've seen an increase in perhaps um, poorer 
behavior or unacceptable behavior that athletes have had to kind of become subjected to. And I think some of that comes with an element of control in, in that athletes are now um, you know, live by their, their award um, that they're given. And as such, you're, you're really vulnerable as an athlete. You know, it, you, you can lose that award within, almost within three months notice. And, you know, athletes have rent or families or mortgages. And I think going way back when um, the personal award wasn't available to athletes, you, they, you had a little bit more autonomy or control or ability to speak up for yourself. And I think now athletes are, are, are probably in a much more vulnerable position, potentially because they feel that their whole livelihoods at stake if they if they upset the wrong person. Um, it's an interesting perspective around you know are athletes just getting softer? I I, I think it's more athletes are more willing to speak up um, and 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 stand up for um, what's. Um, not acceptable. That said, we do get a number of athletes that come to us that um, do want to challenge a sport. And, and we have to say to them, we're, we're afraid you don't have a case to answer. So it's not always about jumping on um, and supporting an athlete always. We will be fair to them and say, you know, that's, that's just unfortunately the brutal side of elite sport. The process that you've gone through has been a fair one. Um, and I'm afraid you, don't, you, know, you might not like the outcome, but we can't support you so I don't know it, it, it's a difficult one but I think overall it's more about athletes just feeling more comfortable about wanting to speak out. Was Amy Tinkler right to speak out in the way that she did and take her, her battle with British Gymnastics so publicly? I think it's down to the individual it's, it's clearly um, years of, of frustration um, and I'm really sad that um, you know what one thing I always ask myself is you know um, as chair of the BAC, as a growing organisation, why didn't Amy feel that she could come to us? Um, and and we, di we didn't have the opportunity, whereas with a lot of sports, we have the opportunity to go in and meet the athletes and um, sh share with them the services that we provide and offer. Unfortunately, we didn't have the opportunity, despite asking um, on a number of occasions, to go into gymnastics to do that with the gymnasts. Um, it's sad Was there that a reason for that, Vicky? Yeah, why, why wouldn't they have you in? I think you'd probably have to ask the sport that. I think sometimes there's a perception that the BAC may um, be trying to look for problems. And, um, you know, ultimately we're there to, to tell the athletes why we're here, why we exist. Um, and then if they want to come to us, that's absolutely fine. We, we wouldn't go in looking for problems where there, there weren't any, but I always become suspicious of sports that don't want, ne want to necessarily open their doors to um and so um yeah i think perhaps in that case that was um you know it, it was unfortunate that a amy then perhaps didn't know an awful lot about the bac despite being an automatic member and 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 having to um go public in the way that she did i i i i guess it was born of a, a significant amount of frustration on her part are there lessons then for you as an organisation there in terms of getting your foot in the door at these organisations, but getting your message, however you do that, to, to all these potential Olympians, Paralympians, current Olympians and Paralympians and past Olympians and Paralympians? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our priority is to the, the, the 1,300, 1,400 athlete, uh, athlete membership that we have every year. Um, and we 
have to be really creative around how we we engage with the, with those athletes we, we've actually going through um the, the first lockdown that we had was was quite helpful for the BAC because we had athletes at home more readily available to engage with than we ever normally would so we had some fantastic virtual coffee catch-up mornings with athletes really got to hear um from you know, across the 40 sports, what was going on on the ground with them, give us some really good in, insight and, and build some really positive relationships. Um, but there absolutely is more work to be done. But it, at, I guess the, the challenge we have that we're an incredibly small organisation um, that doesn't receive a significant amount of funding. So we can only, you know, it, what I'd like, you know, it, when we look about our, it, the future of the BAC, we want to be an awful lot more proactive uh, rather than reactive to the, to the problems. But a lot of that comes with resource and investment into the organisation. I wonder, Vicky, as well, whether you think people should follow your lead a little bit and we need more athletes having a say in sport governance. I think athlete representation at every level is really important. I think sometimes it's helpful to have an athlete that's perhaps gone away, left the system for whether it's a year or two, because um, when you first retire, your, your, your focus is on you and your experience. And, and um, it was helpful for me to go off and do something different for a couple of years and then come back where um, I, I, I had the opportunity to see the experience of others, other, other athletes in other sports. And that was fantastic. Um, when I covered the three games with the British Paralympic Association, it was brilliant for me to see, okay, well, Rowan, Rowan did it this way, but actually there's 39 other sports that do it this way and they're all different. And um, I, I think I'm really passionate about um, supporting athletes in um, trying to advance and, and, and have an input in the say in, in their sports a, a run um, we're advocating for some um, comprehensive training for athletes we have a network of what we call athlete representatives that we try to support and buddy up and provide training to and and I have um, an open um, rule within the BAC that we have annual ambassadors at the BAC which are, are current athletes and I like to invite them onto board meetings just so they experience that board environment which potentially could be really intimidating when they um if it's their first time i remember you know eight, eight years ago going to my first board meeting and being really you know intimidated really so to to give them some level of exposure and confidence um to them move forward is is really important too because there's been a lot of focus on who is on board members of, of british sport organizations and i think we all know that there's a lot more work needs to be done and diversity and equality but also having athletes on, on the boards. Um, do you think maybe World Athletics is a better organisation with Seb Coe in charge of it because of the experience he's had of being an athlete? Yeah, I think so. I think he, he gives a good insight. They also have a really um, active athlete commission as well that feed into the World Athletics board. Um, and, and my role within the integrity unit, which is, is in some way separate to World Athletics itself, um, also engages and, and works really closely with the athletes as well because uh, we, we recognise that their insight is really important. And with the mention of Sevco, that probably brings us on to one of the other huge issues in sport and one that you've been very vocal about, which is doping in sport, of course. And 
Tell us, you stepped down from, from WADA. You were part of it, but very publicly, you said, I don't want to be part of it anymore. Why not? Yeah, I, I did. A, uh, I was one year into my second term at WADA. And when I first started in the Athlete Committee, um, it was a really... Um, it was it was it was a really good organization to be part of the athlete voice was really strong it was listened to and then um, I, I guess there was a change of, of leadership and um, and I, I guess frustration started bubbling particularly around Russia and the the way that WADA um, managed that that situation and I think myself and, and if quite a few others actually on the board were really disappointed and frustrated with the way that WADA handled that. Um, um, you know, I, I felt quite strongly that um, the that WADA is so heavily um, dominated by the International Olympic Committee um, and, and kind of kind of does what it says um, that I, I, I just found that my voice just um, my opinion didn't necessarily matter. My voice wasn't being listened to and I felt um, as a consequence. And, and there's only so many times you can speak out and say, I don't agree with what this organization's doing um, before people say, well, why on earth are you there then? And, and, and when I, you know, people to begin with, I thought, well, perhaps I can influence from the inside is what a lot of um, people say. But in order to do that, you've got to at least have your voice been listened to and heard and, and mine wasn't so I decided to to step down and, and focus my attention elsewhere where I could actually perhaps have a more impact more impact you describe yourself there as an insider I'm an outsider and I've got a couple of observations looking in one when I go to press conferences say ahead of the world athletics championships and athletes top athletes top gold medal winning athletes are asked about doping there doesn't seem amongst many to be much of an appetite to, to tackle the issue or call out their friends, whether that's Christian Coleman or whoever um, this week. So that's one observation. And two, my second observation is that it seemed to be that we were always looking at a plan to try and get Russia back involved, where actually maybe it would have been better to say, well, what are the sanctions? We had Craig Spence from the IPC on, on this podcast recently. And the IPC, I thought, did, did really well around Rio, whereas the IOC seemed to, to want to have Russia and Russian athletes involved at any cost. And that just seemed, seemed wrong as an outsider. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I think from a from a WADA and an IOC decision, I, I I was so proud of the IPC for taking the stance that they did. Um, I I think it instilled confidence from the Paralympic athlete community as well in the, in the organisation that is is going to look after their best interests. And I think the IOC took the easy road out and and passed the responsibility onto the international federations, um, which was really disappointing at best. Um, and with regards to doping and athletics, um, I think that there that there's there's a balance in that between um, people that are involved in athletics trying to protect the reputation and feeling that you know talking about doping actually might um, for, um, mean that the reputation of athletics is going to be damaged. I, I think the, the opposite in that, and, and that's certainly the, the view that the Athletics Integrity Unit have, is that it, it, the more we um, publish these high-profile cases of, of catching you know, high-profile athletes doping, the more it shows that we're cleaning up the sport. And um, I think there are athletes nervous to, to speak up. Um, I, 
I really, one thing I've been really excited about being involved with the integrity unit is that they're, they're so advanced in their way that they are looking at doping and sport and their intelligence and investigation into trying to catch, um, you know, the real cheats in sports. They're not the inadvertent dopers, the ones that, you know, have taken the wrong substance because it's been contaminated with something, but they haven't done it purpose it's it's more those deliberate cheats that are you know micro and go into the you know x degree to 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 mask and cover up this doping with massive amount of sport support behind them but just on that vicky just to play devil's advocate you can get people getting off on a technicality through missed tests i mean we've seen christian coleman get punished but he was previously had a missed test, but it was, it was, you know, then not ruled uh, relevant because of a, a technicality. And that happens for some people too much. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a massive piece that needs to be done to look at the whereabouts system that WADA manage. And um, the, the, like you say that, that, that there's an increasing amount of frustration around the, some of the technicalities of, other high-profile athletes recently um, being being let off, and I think without going into the um, ins and outs of each case, um, I think that there's a lot of tightening up that needs to be done. And one of the other um, things that I've suggested that the integrity unit might want to do is just have some live audience debates around some of the cases that they can talk about to explain um, why. Um, to certain decisions have been made i think athletes tend to get really frustrated and angry because on the face of it in an athlete history test what uh, what why haven't they been banned and i think if they have the ability or the option to to dial in and listen to um really hear what's been going on and, and have that un- level of understanding it w- it will help them um so, realize. So, so disappointing that the court of arbitration for sport which is hearing the russia appeal about being banned from international sport isn't being held in public. Yeah, very disappointing. There's no way of knowing the ins and the outs. You want to know the process, as you said, don't you? You want to hear, athletes want to hear the reasons. Absolutely. You've just got to be completely transparent. And, it, and if, you, if you are, then you're, you're going to solve yourself a lot of problems in, in the end if, you've, if you're not hiding anything, because athletes will then become educated and understand and, and perhaps understand the decisions they made at the end of it. If you, if you conduct hearings behind closed doors, you're always going to have frustrations and angry athletes. Before we just sort of finish up by talking about some of your career and your achievements, Vicky, without trust, what is sport? And at the moment, I'm seeing world records being broken left, right and centre. But I don't feel that WADA's probably been testing during the global pandemic as, as well as they should. And I simply don't trust what I'm seeing. And once that leaves sport, then what have we got? I know. Well, that's the devastating impact that doping is is playing. Uh, you know, it has is having on sport um, because you know it, it's pretty heartbreaking. It must be really heartbreaking for those clean athletes that are delivering performance of their life, and everyone automatically looks. You know, and I, and I, I have to admit, I'm I'm guilty of that sometimes, and think, are they clean? You know, it's you know, it, it, you know, and, and we all is, are though. We yeah. All are. Every, and everybody is, and I think that's why we 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 have to work to fast track WADA at a hundred miles an hour to become the organisation that it needs to be in order to to protect the integrity of sport from a doping perspective, and it, it needs to advance 
um, very, very quickly in order to do that. Just last question on WADA. When you left, you said they were spineless and appalling. Still the same? Yeah, I'm afraid not much has changed. I, I, I really, they have an enormous opportunity um, to do some amazing stuff, but they really have to um, start fresh. Let's talk a little bit before we wrap up about you and, and your journey, if you like, Vicky. As we mentioned, a two-time world champion, a Paralympic um, bronze medalist as well. Was sports administration always something that you thought you were going to end up doing? Um, no, I fell into it really. Um, I trained as a sports psychologist and um, yeah, I, I finished my master's at Brunel Uni and, and, and I thought perhaps that's where I might go. But I think, um, I think having worked at the, the British Paralympic Association and then um, and, and worked with so many athletes and, and then seeing what was happening with the BAC at the time where uh, it was so poorly funded and not operating in the way that it should or needed to be, I felt that there was an opportunity there to, to turn the organisation around and um, and and it, yeah, I guess it was a it was a good challenge for me um, being a retired athlete to, to give back to something to sport and so it, I kind of it was pure mainly by pure luck chance that I I fell into that rather than um, anything that I aspired to do and you said of course you had a positive experience as an elite sports person were there ever any moments in your career where you felt that you would need to have talked to an organization like the one you now chair um no, I don't. I think I saw athletes around me that would have benefited from it. Um, but personally, um, no, I, I was I was pretty confident, mature athlete. And I felt that I could stand up and, and, and stand up for myself quite well. I think particularly younger athletes um, uh, could, do, do, could do with that support, perhaps more but then i don't know there's there's plenty of athletes that are you know world champions that need the support of the bac so i i guess perhaps i was i was fortunate and lucky at the time and place that that i was that um that i didn't that i didn't feel that i'd ever needed the bac and when you as you say there maybe witnessed behaviors that you thought were were wrong did you feel at that point you had the voice or the strength that you could have called someone out on that if you saw a teammate or a colleague being you know behave badly towards yeah I, I think to a certain extent although I will say I think you know um sadly at that time athletes as individuals are, are pretty selfish and and you're there to look after yourself and particularly if they're competitors I mean you, you there's, there comes a certain point if I ever saw something that was you know really bad I'd, I'd have certainly said something um but you know that there's a time and a place where you just end up looking out for yourself and get your head down and you crack on the training and you um you know you're battling out for a seat in the boat as a world champion a paralympic medalist we're heading into hopefully another paralympic games next year fingers crossed it's still on where do you think para gbr at the moment and how damaging has lockdown been 
Yeah, well, I think pre-lockdown, they were in a, a really exciting place. Um, I think that the COVID-19 has posed some unique challenges for some Paralympic athletes, particularly those with higher spinal cord injuries or you know, that are more susceptible or more at risk to contracting COVID. So I think there's some significant um uh, risks that need to be managed. And I think that the, the BPA and the Paralympic GB team are, are completely all over that and working really well with the sports. I think um, Tokyo itself actually presented, you know, presents quite a big problem for, for the Paralympics um, um, Paralympians going out there. And, you know, I was quite surprised before I had conversations with the BAPA around how inaccessible Tokyo is. You know, when you think about it being such a, a modern, vibrant city, actually the, the hotels and everything are, are not accommodating. So even pre-games camps and trying to find a suitable accommodation for Paralympic athletes has been really challenging. So there's there's been a lot of challenges that the BPA have faced and overcome. Um, but I think it hasn't been the easiest games for them to perhaps deliver to. And I just wanted to finish off as well, Vicky, asking, you know, we've talked a lot about sport in this podcast and the, the, the downsides of it, if you like, and the negativity. Do you still watch sport and does it still bring you joy? Yeah, it does, without a shadow of a doubt. I still... For you. I still... <laughs> you know, despite all the doom and gloom, I, I love it. I, I, you know, if I could get back, I, I, the training was the hard bit, the racing I loved. And every time I see a, a, a race of any kind, I want to be involved even though my body couldn't take it anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love watching all forms of, of sport and it, and it does still give me joy. And I have three young children that are heavily involved in sport and it's, and it's wonderful for the, to see them enjoying it too. So you miss it. You were proud to be part of it, but you're still doing tremendous work within it. Uh, Victoria Rager, Chair of the British Athletes Commission, thank you very much for speaking to anything but footy's great British bosses. Lovely speaking to you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.